lesbian, gay, trans, and even bi-coastal. From the chilly Hudson Valley of New York and California's Furnace of Palm Springs, the Gay BC Radio Network welcomes you to the Gay BC Happy Hour with Richie Roy and Johnny Mack. Hello, and welcome to the Happy Hour. Hello, how are you? Doing good, doing good. Um, we are finally starting to get a little bit of seasonal weather here. We're getting some snow flurries. Um, Not and, snow uh, flurries. Yeah, just a little bit of snow. Um, you know, you it's that a, time of year. Did you put a heater out there by the satellite uh, receptacle? <laughs> so that we will not go off the air tonight. I hope. I hope so. I hope that's the case. Yeah. But um. Yeah. So, how's your week been, Johnny Mac? Uh, it's been uh, pretty crazy, actually. I yeah. uh, started the week in San Francisco and worked my way back towards the desert, and it's just been go 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 go. So. Yeah. Yeah. It was a nice visit San Francisco. Saw a lot of people I hadn't seen in some time, and that was uh, great to catch up with them. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of the city by the bay, the city by the gay bay. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it's just like you expect big city stuff when you go to San Francisco. And when I go there, the thing that probably bothers me the most about it is for a city that is in such a beautiful region it's like the grammiest big city in america oh really yeah i i I just think it's like the i'm sorry for our friends who live in the bay area but i just feel like it's really the dirtiest big city in the usa like i think new york and and well, maybe not Los Angeles anymore now that it has the uh, excessive homeless problem that it does in the downtown corridor. But I don't know. It's just, it's gritty. Although yeah. I understand that they did clean it up quite a bit before she uh, came from China, uh, including uh, kicking a lot of the homeless people out of the city, which, you know, that rubs a lot of people the wrong way because it's not a, a very kind way to or reason for dealing with the uh you know homeless population but yeah it's uh i don't know it's it's a tough city yeah yeah that kind of gives a little bit of a potemkin village kind of vibe yeah. um to kind of clear everyone out like that um I had a good week. Um, still on. I'm on the end of my interregnum between uh, jobs, so um, went down to the city last night and had a nice vegan meal, um, which uh, was delicious. And then I'm back up here and uh, ready to do the show. We've got a lot on our plate tonight. Did your pilot just whisk you down from the Hudson Valley to to the city to have dinner and back? <laughs> something like that exactly <laughs> um but uh we do yeah, have a lot of stuff uh, going on uh you know and and you really set the bar this week with a lot of the stories that you chose for us to talk about because it has been uh talking about crazy weeks it has been a crazy week since we last got together uh in the nation's capital yeah Starting with yeah. the fact that the GOP 
which just keeps on giving at this time of year, um, not only gave us the the boot for George Santos kicking him off the island, but uh, as he was on his way out of town, uh, he really kicked it up a notch with his hypocrisy. Yeah, <laughs> I mean this is this is this story is sort of perfect, George Santos, because um, it it really goes to like the kind of extreme like incoherence that he of his existence you know a gay uh charlatan from you know from the northeast uh everything he says is a lie uh and everything he says is untrue and you know one of the things that kind of on his sort of parting gestures um is that he kind of made uh some statements on his way out that he doesn't you know i i think to try to i guess shore up his Republican bona fides that he does not believe in gay marriage, even though he is himself <laughs> gay married. Yeah. Whatever, and, George. And it's just, it's so, and the thing is, it's like, you know, and well, then, and then apparently, you know, shortly, like literally the day after he got turfed out of the uh, Congress, he was spotted, uh, you know, Twitter was reported that he was spotted out at the clubs in Provincetown. Oh, brother. Well, why would they not just feed him to the sharks up there? Well, I, exactly. I mean, th that's the thing is, like, it, what it really shows is at the end of the day, um, you know, I, I think that there is this uh, this sort of v extremely virulent form of shamelessness that, that lives in the GOP right now because – uh, the idea that someone and, and you know he gave this sort of impassioned really angry speech before the vote about how they you know daring the you know daring the congress to uh you know to oust him um and uh you know then he was ousted you know because the ethics you know report was extremely damning and, and it, not even the ethics report but everything every aspect of his biography has been a complete lie and uh, you know he he came to power under false pretenses and continued to lie constantly. And um, I found just it, again, you know, I think I found it really surprising that he even got seated because we began to see all of the the pieces come apart before he ever was sworn in. But he but there's so much there's so much fear amongst the amongst the Republicans on their own side about how to treat one another. You know, there, there, and we've talked about this before that there are, there are, you know, hardcore Republicans who don't believe in the kind of the, the complete world of lies, you know, the, the MAGA world of lies. Um, but in public, they have to toe that line because they know that if they don't, they're going to be in the crossfire. In the in the crosshairs of MAGA, yeah, and George Santos, and George Santos was someone who kind of like kind of waltzed in as you know a a homosexual who kind of like towed all the lines he needed to tow, and you know even up to the last minute, Matt Gates was defending George Santos and saying, well, if we you know if we um uh if we get him if we don't uh um if we don't, if, if we do this, it's setting a precedent where other people can get, um, can get ousted. 
Um, yeah. And just really briefly, I just got a message. Uh, someone's wondering if making sure that our 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 feed is okay, um, our live feed. So just wanted to check on that. Yep. Um, but you know, in the meantime, absolutely. You know, it's just this kind of um, this uh, this hypocrisy that is that is really rampant. And George Santos was kind of this ext- especially. Um, kind of monstrous version uh, of just l- complete lies. You know, I, I call him the untalented Mr. Santos, you know, because he just built everything that he was on falsehoods. And when he was called on them, he he never sort of showed any kind of, um, you know, uh, apologies or any kind of contrition. He just sort of doubled and tripled down. And so... Um, yeah, so it was just kind of, um, you know, again, it, was, it his ousting was momentous, um, but was, again, you know, as you said, Johnny, kind of uh, uh, really long in coming. Yeah, well, good riddance. That's all I can say. Uh, also going on on Capitol Hill this week, uh, another egg dropped on another face to fry another Republican as coach Tommy Tuberville, that one man crusade against military promotions for wokeness, his whole effort on that front ends in a humiliating defeat. Yeah. Yeah. So this was another kind of, um, you know, uh, just derogation of just, basic duty he kind of took it upon himself to hold up you know over 400 military promotions it was a 10-month period that he kind of did this process of really defanging the military uh depriving it of necessary leadership because he thought that um you know that the military had gotten too woke and was you know too uh, you know, part of it had to do with abortion, dealing with abortion. Part of it had to do with LGBTQ issues, and just generally, you know, he had this—he has this belief that um, the military is quote the weakest in his lifetime, um, and he specifically kind of called out the fact that there was a non-binary officer on a Navy aircraft carrier who read a poem about a gay soldier, and he just sort of took that to mean that you know that the military was. Um, was just you know just sort of is 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 too woke and uh uh yeah i these, i don't these know so-called moralistic um morons from alabama are driving me crazy because you'll remember that this is the same state that offered up and fortunately the voters didn't buy in uh judge roy moore who ran for the united states senate and he, of course, had some problems with some underage girls back in the days when he was in his 20s. And I think he was a, a state prosecutor or something like that. And he was dating like a 14-year-old. And that didn't go over so well with, with voters. But he was the guy who, while on the state Supreme Court bench, um, attempted to have installed the Ten Commandments uh, in front of the mm. courthouse. You remember that? And that did not end so uh, favorably either. Uh, like, look, have your beliefs. 
all y'all, <laughs> but uh, keep them there in, in your southern backyard. Uh, do not try and, and throw your belief system on an entire nation and put our defense at risk. I mean, in this situation, Tuberville's actions led to us not having for several months uh, even a commandant for the United States Marine Corps. It's just a right. joke. I mean, he put a lot of things at risk. And, you know, yeah. his fellow Republicans were fed up with it themselves. Yeah. No, I mean, everyone was just like, enough, like, enough with you. Like, stop this. Like, um, it's not, yeah, it's not, uh, it's, it's sort of, it's, you know, his quixotic kind of like tilting at a windmill that, you know, it was so outsized, you know, it's a, one thing to disagree with kind of, you know, military policy, but to, to essentially kind of make it impossible for the military to have leadership is, is just, it is, it, I mean, it, you could say it's, I mean, it's actually, you know, not to throw the term around too lightly, but like in a way kind of terroristic behavior. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that was not it. Yes. It's just like, uh, you know, like one of those offers on a bad TV commercial for a really crummy product. But wait, there's more. And there is more. Because yesterday, we, was it yesterday? I think it was yesterday that we learned that Pussy Boy, Kevin McCarthy, is going to pack up his marbles and call it quits for his Bakersfield, California enablers, the people who voted him into office. And ultimately, uh, he made it to the, the highest level of our United States House of Representatives by becoming, for a very short nine-month term, the Speaker of the House of Representatives. Well, right. he, of course, was removed and replaced by Mike Johnson, uh, who really was kind of unheard of, completely unheard of before yeah. him. And McCarthy is now not going to hang out because, well, as I understand it, largely because there's a one-year clock that starts ticking from the time you leave till you can begin to lobby your former colleagues on Capitol Hill. So he wants to get that clock to start ticking as soon as possible and be able to get into uh, one of those cushy K Street Northwest jobs, uh, you know, as as a special interest representative. So, right. you know, goodbye to making, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars and and hello to suddenly starting to have billable hours that get you millions of dollars, tens of million dollars a year because you're able to represent somebody's cause and go and, and you know, grease the ears and the elbows and the pocketbooks of all the other lawmakers up on Capitol Hill. So Kevin McCarthy has said he's going to be leaving in the new year. Yeah. Um, and, and just, uh, just again, uh, station break moment. Um, I'm getting a message that, that the feed, this, the live stream is, st is not working still. It's, it's it is uh, an ad plays and then silence. Oh, that's, that's an issue with their tune in player. Tune in. Okay. So, so. Yeah, it's, it's all on the tune in and it's not on our side. So maybe, um, turn off if they're using their phone, uh, turn it off and, and reboot and reconnect. Got it. Okay. If that's a tune in okay. thing, not us. All right, cool. Um, but yeah, so uh, so yeah, Kevin McCarthy, you know, uh, it, he's been, you know, but but uh, it's uh, 
he's been replaced by someone even more odious. Um, it's like, you know, you think things can't get worse. Um, but, you know, we'll, we will talk about Mike Johnson, um, who, yeah, has just kind of come out of nowhere. And the thing is, we're kind of living in this really weird moment um, because he's, I think he's so out of step with, um, you know, with the world. And we're going to talk about that in the, in the coming segment. But, um, you know, the, to go from, from someone who, you know, went down to Mar-a-Lago to check on the digestion of you know, Donald Trump you know, to make sure that he was eating properly to someone who, who <laughs> I don't literally buy that. Think, what was that? I, I heard, I heard that story too. And I don't buy it. Not one bit. <laughs> well, I'm choosing to believe it because it's so, it's, it's so ridiculous. It is. But I mean, he, but if anything, he, he certainly did go down to kiss the ring, Yeah. you know? Um, but you know, we go from someone who is, who's hardcore fevers, fever, you know, dream swampland MAGA guy to someone who, who actually has these kind of almost apocalyptic views of, of American, you know, the American culture and future. Um, yeah, indeed. And we're going to continue our conversation about crap in the uh, toilet of the Beltway. Um, we are going to talk a little bit about our new Speaker of the House when we come back, because he says it's all your fault. Not Richie's. Yours. All of ours. All of us in the LGBTQ community. <laughs> Everything is wrong. It's all our fault. So stay with us and your phone calls welcome as well. 760-677-0111. I'm sorry. 776. <laughs> Again, 760-677-0111. I'll get it spit out. Stay with us. Right now, our country feels divided, but there's a place where people are coming together. I was nervous to talk to someone so different than me. Me too. Love Has No Labels and One Small Step are helping people with different political views, beliefs, and experiences connect through conversation, and it feels good. This conversation gives me hope. It gives me a lot of hope, too. Take a step toward bringing our country and your community together. Start a conversation at lovehasnolabels.com slash one small step. A message from StoryCorps, Love Has No Labels, and the Ad Council. As far back as she can remember, Amy loved computers, how they worked, what they could do. They were a challenge. She wanted to learn as much as she could. So she harnessed her passion, and now she's a cybersecurity officer in the military. If you have a passion, a vision for your future in any field, todaysmilitary.com can be your path to a fulfilling career. You have a calling. We have an answer. Find your way at todaysmilitary.com. Your weather outside might be frightening, and Jack might be nipping at your... Ugh, forget it, guys. I'm not reading any more of this smut. Even this microphone has its limits. Back to your hot toddies of LGBTQ stuff. It's Santa Mac and his reindeer Richie. Oh, and me? I'm Howard the Hanukkah Bush. I don't get no respect. Take Howard. it away, you silly seasonal homos. Howard, go sit over in your corner. They're like a good bush. <laughs> like a George Bush. Welcome back, everyone, to the happy hour. Uh, so we are continuing our little tour of Washington, D.C., uh, for better or for worse. 
and yeah, we are talking about Mike Johnson. So Mike Johnson, uh, we've talked about here on the show before. Um, he is the uh, the Speaker of the House. He is from Louisiana, and he is a complete nut job. He uh, really lives this in this kind of apocalyptic. Uh, sort of dark view that America is kind of in terminal decline and that, you know, really the only thing that can pull it back from the brink is basically kind of establishing a, you know, religious kind of state. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, one of the things that he, that he said uh, recently is, you know, that because a more gay, high, more high school students are identifying as not straight, that um, God is, quote, being mocked openly in the public square and that America is hanging on by a thread. He continued that, let's face it, we lived in a depraved culture um, and that God may allow our nation to enter into a time of judgment for our collective sins. So, I mean, we just have at this point, like sort of a complete theocrat in charge of the house, of the, of the, uh, of the house, the spe- you know, the speaker of the house. And uh, it's just really uh, weird that, you know, kind of a weird fluke of our, of our political moment, because he, I don't think anyone saw this guy coming. He kind of came out of nowhere because of the, the complete fecklessness of the Republican Party to actually govern itself. Um, and deal with uh, actually having a house that's functional. So, um, you know, it's just uh, it's just really troubling because, you know, obviously, you know, we have a bicameral legislature, and it, what's necessary for that is to actually have two houses that function. And, um, you know, when you have someone who's, whose ideas about the country are so anathema to where we are at, actually, that makes it very scary to think about having a functional house. Um, you know, and on, you know, realistically, you know, things will continue to ideas about the country are so anathema to where we are at. Very scary to think about having a functional house. Um, you know, and on, you know, realistically, you know, things will continue to ideas about the country are so anathema to where we are at. Very scary to think about having a functional house. Um, you know, and on, you know, realistically, you know, things will continue to ideas about the country are so anathema to where we are at. Very scary to think about having turn your a turn your house. phone off. Um, you know, and on, you know, realistically, you know, things. <clears throat> Uh, our apologies for that. There was some technical issues here, and uh, uh, they have been corrected. So anyway, Sorry we're back on that. course. Just stay with the show. <laughs> uh, yeah, but so uh, what we're stuck with is um, is a house that is uh, that is run by or that is you know helmed by someone who really doesn't believe in the American project as we currently live it. Um, and he's he's raising money on uh, this kind of rhetoric, uh, and he speak he's regularly speaking to kind of extremist groups, and so uh, you know one of the things that happened recently was he endorsed this book called um, the Revivalist Manifesto, which uh, in which insulted poor people, um, uh, which defended white people using the N word called uh pete Buttigieg obnoxiously gay uh and how so he actually f- how is he s- I, 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 like if he was always putting the gay card in your face i'd understand somebody maybe saying that 
but he's not that way at all. He he's always dealing with the business of the nation when I see him. He's not out there talking about he and his partner and his kids unless directly asked a question in relation to that. Well, because because the thing is, I think as far as someone like, you know, someone who's in that kind of world, being gay is itself obnoxiously gay because they don't want that to exist. And yeah. so the fact that, that Pete Buttigieg is openly gay is to them obnoxiously gay. You know, the fact that he is a happy person with a with a partner and kids is is to is to them kind of just a, a sign of the moral decline of the country. So there's not really any kind of you can't, uh, you know, sort of reason with that. You can't mm. you know, you can't make make sense of that because the existence of happy gay people is itself kind of to them a sign of moral decline and a sign of that America is lost. So what do you do with that? I don't know. I, I, I mean, think I think you take those people who feel that way, and you blast them on a uh, rocket owned by Elon Musk into space with a one-way ticket. Yeah. No. Maybe that's maybe that's the um, you know because you know manifest destiny right. You know, manifest destiny. Yeah. There's always, you know, another frontier for America to uh, to colonize. Maybe, maybe we send them to the moon, to the to Mars or the moon. You know, and they can establish a theocracy over there. Yeah. Well, listen, we're uh, gonna be talking in our next segment. Uh, we're gonna have Todd Bianco back with us, and you might recall who he is. He is the person who Richie will actually be co-hosting a new show with on GBC and for Mutual which will be called Torque, and it is a show for people who love to talk about cars. And that's exactly what we're going to do in this next segment. We're going to talk some more about cars. We talked recently about some vehicles that you wouldn't mind having roll up as a gift this holiday season. But this past week, Todd sent us a very interesting infographic that had to do with the amount of price increase by manufacturers of various types of cars from one month to another. And I'm not talking about like from year to year. I'm talking literally one month to the next. The inflation rate on vehicles was unbelievable. We'll get into that, especially if you're thinking about buying one. You should know about this. Stay with us right here on the GBC Happy Hour with Richie Roy. I'm Johnny Mack. Radio. I'm Brian Shook. CNN is reporting that federal prosecutors are filing a new criminal case against Hunter Biden. The exact charges are unknown because court documents are still private. Biden is also facing criminal charges in Delaware that are related to the purchase of a gun. Today marks two months since the Israel-Hamas war began. Israel says its forces have encircled the home of the top Hamas leader in the southern part of the region, who's believed to be hiding under 
ground. The House is investigating three top universities after the institution's leaders failed to explicitly say calling for the genocide of Jews violates their code of conduct. Former New York Congressman Tom Suozzi is going to be running for George Santos's old seat. New York Governor Kathy Hochul. I've not talked to him yet today, but we'll be working very hard to make sure that he is successful in the special election. Last week, Santos was kicked out of Congress. I'm Brian Shook. From GayBC.com, this is the Happy Hour with your hosts, Richie Roy and Johnny Mack, your source for conversation, current events, culture, and all things LGBTQ. Howdy, partners, and welcome back to the Happy Hour. And we are delighted to have with us for this segment our good friend, uh, Todd Bianco, the uh, host of the upcoming show, uh, Torque. And uh, welcome. Glad to be here, guys. Good to see you. How are you, Todd? I'm very well today. Thank you. Good. I'm sorry we didn't have you here with our last conversation about cars, but uh, Mother Nature decided to kick you in the uh, shins. And so we (laughs) hope you're feeling a lot better. Um, So the other day you sent sent me a infographic that made me like choke on my breakfast. Well, but it's true. The average transaction price of cars is way up, and it's basically due to inflation. Could you come in just you a know, little closer on your mic there? Yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I, I think that it's all basically due to inflation uh, over the last, say, f- three or four years. You know, the pandemic uh, did it in basically, and you know, we've we've seen prices go, we've seen prices go up on all of our goods and services right yeah but not like that and that was month to month right but over three or four year period you can see it it's really going up and, yeah and but the, i mean yeah, you, you should, prices like, of prices of everything is, is really going up high one of the things I mean, that you sent to me um that was in that graphic i think what give me the price increase on an average electric vehicle like it went yeah. from like fifty thousand to sixty some odd thousand, right? Uh, but that's uh, actually it was it was down twenty percent year over year. It was it was uh, let's see October of twenty twenty three average transaction price was fifty one thousand seven hundred and sixty two dollars, and the year before it was uh, sixty four thousand. Uh, 866. So that's actually gone way down, and that's entirely attributable to Tesla reducing prices. Yeah, I mean, the thing that the thing that just looking at those numbers though that really was was just eye popping to me was you know we're kind of in this moment um, you know where uh, housing, for instance, is becoming this extremely distorted market where no one can afford housing, and it seems like no one like can afford a car i mean these these prices are just are so high especially in the in the alternative fuels uh field it's just it seems like like the like the um you know inflation is one thing but um you know it's just the the sort of extreme uh kind of rapidity with which prices are are sort of going out of control um, right you, you know I, it I makes it the, it makes it hard to want to th- you know if you're thinking about buying a car 
if you have a market with such volatility and such price increases and and prices moving all over the place, it makes it very unappealing to actually want to buy a car. It, it does. I think a lot of it, uh, the, you know, you're looking at this as the alternative slash uh, hybrid energy car, and that's not an electric car. That's basically your your a hybrid or your plug-in hybrid, and those have gone up 41 percent over a year. So the you know before, let's say uh, September of 2023, the average transaction price was $38,093, and it's gone to $48,096 uh, for hybrids. Uh, and I get a lot of it is these plug-in hybrids, and plug-in hybrids tend to have a smallish battery, and it can go maybe, oh, 30 miles on a one plug. Uh, and then you have to plug it in again. And a lot of times people say, well, 30 miles is enough for me for a daily trip you know, to and from work or whatever. And so they can do that. But the, the, what's really happening, though, with those cars is that you now have dual drivetrains. You have electric motors, you have batteries, and you have an internal combustion engine. And that is expensive to package it all together. Uh, but what it does do is a lot of these qualify for a tax credit. Not all of them, but some of them will qualify for a tax credit. And they think that the manufacturers are taking advantage of the tax credits, saying, well, you get a credit now. So, hey, you know, the price is actually lower than it looks like when you bought or leased this car. Right. Yeah, uh, but the idea but, should be for the consumer to get a good deal and incent them to want to yes. be in it, not for you to make up your margin. No, that that's exactly true. Well, the the other problem is is that people really do not like dealerships. Uh, the the, the, you don't the slang say. is call, calling them stealerships, you know, and the the they've just come out with a. It was just today they came out with a survey that said for the first time consumers no longer prefer going taking their cars to dealerships. They prefer taking them to independent service uh, mechanics. Yeah, so because, this because they're so dirty and, you know, the scams that they pull, it's, I mean, I've seen it happen with my own, the dealership that I bought my vehicle from. Of uh, I've seen them do things when they were fixing vehicles of mine and they basically were like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, we're going to get you this deal because we're going to do this and screw the, screw the, you know. The manufacturer. The home office. paying for it like yeah. under, a, under a warranty or whatever. Right. Yeah. Yes. Well. And, and and I even I I mean I can attest to that too. You know, one time because I I would, you know, I I took I have a, you know an an older Lexus GX470, and mm -hmm. I took it to the dealership one year. You know, just for an oil change, and they you know they offered of course to do the free you know thirty point check, sure. and came out with a bunch of you know fakey things that needed to be done. And I of course asked for none of them. <laughs> and one of them was you know they said that the brakes were a little bit low. And they right. told me that they were like two millimeters or whatever the number was. And I opted to not, you know, have that dealt with at the time. The next year I came in or the next period where I came back in six mm -hmm. months later, uh, they measured the the same, you know, they, they did the 30 point check again. Sure. And they said that the, the brakes were low <laughs> and they actually gave me, the, the, the brakes had grown in millimeters since <laughs> the previous time. Stunning, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the, I understand the the kind of you know because 
you're taught this, you know, idea that the dealership is, you know, the 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 gold standard for where to take, your, you know, your car right. because they know the brand the best. Right. They're, you're supposed to trust them, and they'll yeah, you know, they'll, they'll take care of you, and your car will be well taken care of, which will make it more when you trade it in, right? Of course, You've heard of course. this before, right? I I think that that's people don't believe it a lot of times. I've I've taken my car to dealers over the dealers over the years with the same. Uh, with the same thing, like, well, you need this, you need that, and it goes on. Suddenly, you brought it in for, let's just say, $100 worth of uh, oil change and rotating tires or whatever it might have been, and suddenly it's $500 right. to do this, to do that, and you're not even sure that you really need it. You didn't hear the brake squealing. You didn't come in for that reason. Uh, there's some, you know, there's some other. Uh, oh, you need shock absorbers today. Uh, what, whatever it might be, suddenly you need it, and they've only discovered it with this great free checkpoints. Let me ask right. you. Th- that brings up another thought, Todd. Are you surprised in this day and age? And we already see things like. I don't know. Is it Carvana or CarMax? Is one of those that has like the the uh, vending machine of cars? Um, well, the Carvana has that. Yeah. Yes. Um, but it. I'm surprised that in this day and age, and with the technology being what it is, that we haven't seen more of an elimination of automobile dealerships, because like there's so many other businesses that have wiped out their network of retail. Look at what the airline industry did to travel agencies for the most part. And I think that's coming. I, I, do, I, I do think that's coming. Did you see that uh, Hyundai has made a deal with Amazon? No. They're going to sell their cars on Amazon. Oh, wow. Wow. You, you, you still have to technically get it, you know, pick it up from a dealer, but it will, the transaction will happen over the internet through Amazon. And well, that's interesting. Not, that's not going to be happy news for some dealers who, you know, they, they want you desperately to go in and, and haggle. You, you know, right. you, you go in and they've got these these amazing markups on some vehicles. Uh, but yeah, and all the you have to, uh, bonuses you have to wonder that they make really on the worth. extras. I mean, here, you know, the full-size pickup truck is average pr- price now is $66,000. And that's a very profitable lot profitable item but ford has like 100 or over 200 days worth of inventory sitting on the lot so they call it lot rot because it's just sitting there and yet they still can't sell them because they're still asking too much but now they're so deep into the financing of these vehicles because they have to pay to finance their inventory that they feel like they have to get something for it yet these things are just sitting on the lot so I, I do think that there's opportunities for people to go to dealerships and if they want something that's been you know, where there's large inventories of some of these cars that you can go ahead and try to make a deal, especially before the year ends, because they really want to get the stuff off their books. I mean, there's a couple things there. I mean, one is, I think, you know, with the kind of the taking the dealerships out of the equation, there is this kind of weird, it, it's it's actually a little bit akin to cell phones because cell phones, you know, with the IMEI and, you know, all of this stuff, cell phones and cars both have this kind of chain of custody thing with the VIN number where, like, basically you kind of have to, like, you know, 
like kind of track a car, you know, sure. and it has to like, and so there is a, there is that kind of aspect to it in the same way that when you buy a cell phone, like you kind of have to go through the process, you know, in this very particular way, because they're, they are all kind of tracked one to one in some kind of interesting way. But I would also say another thing that's interesting is car dealerships, you know, we can speak ill of them, you know, because of things like the service, uh, you know, the, because of games they play and, and the service, you know, sort of uh, machinations. But at the same time, it, you know, we talk a lot about local business uh, on this show and promoting local business. Car dealerships, they are the ones that sponsor the little league teams that actually do kind of like uh, do kind of hire or keep people locally employed in sales and in service positions. So I think that there is a there is something to say about that because if we're just if we're cutting out quote the middleman, what we're essentially doing is again, much like with other things, we're we're putting more money in a centralized location and we're not distributing it to local places. I didn't um, mean to infer that we shouldn't have those dealerships uh, in that sense. And I agree with you, Richie, that that Obviously, they play an important role as employers and communities and so on. However, I do think that with that threat, that that is coming as it has to so many other businesses. And the fact that processes can be automated and people can be uh, put out of a job so easily that it would behoove these businesses to make sure that they really learn how to deliver good customer service and not screw people over. I, I agree. However, also when it comes to the the old idea that that these dealerships are, you know, the the backbone of the community, they sponsor local events. Most of these dealerships are now part of gigantic publicly traded networks. They've, you know, the the individual mom and pa have long again sold out, or uh, they've just sold back to the. I mean, General Motors has been buying back Cadillac and other dealerships like you know, like like candy. I, they just keep because people don't want to sell EVs. And they said, well, if you don't want to sell EVs, that's fine. Then we'll have to buy your dealership back. And so a lot of that is happening, plus a lot of the dealership consolidations under ownership because it's cheaper to run. When you have 500 stores, it's cheaper to run than just having one or two stores. Yeah, and at that point, it may as well just be the corporation. Well, a lot of it is. I mean, yeah. you know, Penske Automotive is one, and I don't know how many hundreds of dealerships that right. they own, yeah. but there's a bunch of those uh, that are out there that are publicly traded dealerships. Uh, I, but I think that uh, that the going to, through an Amazon is going to disrupt things. I think the most important for the local people is that th we are going to need service, and I do mean good service for a very long time for internal combustion engine vehicles. And there's going to be millions and millions and millions of those on the road for a long time to come. Yes, we know sales are going towards EV, and by the end of this uh, decade, uh, we're going to see probably 80% or more of the market has gone. To, to electric cars because it just makes more sense. Uh, it, you know, it's going to be uh, on price parity or cheaper than uh, buying an ICE car. We're going to have good infrastructure eventually. Uh, you know, it's not just going to be a Tesla game. It's going to be everybody's in it. Uh, you know, to, to to actually have a, a good service and a good uh, network of charging and things are 
you know, need to be up and running as opposed to these, you know, dilapidated, falling apart, you know, 50% if you are lucky, uh, charging stations uh, open. And I think that's going to go the way of the dodo bird because people are going to now have to compete with Tesla on that because Tesla's opening their charging to all cars. Todd, we'll look forward to hearing Torque coming up in the new year and also to having you back with us on the GBC Happy Hour. Richie and I will continue with more of the happy hour with you in just a moment. Uh, Coming up in our next segment, we're going to talk about a matter before the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals and hope that you'll uh, stay with us for that, talking about parents' rights to opt their children out of curriculum that includes LGBTQ content. And coming up in our next hour, we're going to talk about movies, prequels and sequels. Oh my goodness, can't Hollywood get an original idea in its head? Stay with us, this is the GBC Happy Hour. It's not always laughter and games on the GBC Happy Hour with Richie Roy and Johnny Mac, but when it is, you'll know when it's time to cut them off. Now, back to the beer pong. Uh, I mean, show. Boys. Hello, hello. Welcome hello. back to the show. Um, well, Todd's always full of really great information when it comes to the automobiles. He really is. And there's a lot There's a lot there. You know, I have to say, um, the other night in, in the Twitter spaces, uh, cars came up again. And the amount of knowledge that folks have uh, in our community about cars is absolutely astounding we were talking about you know a a certain saturn car that was based on an opal you know and that's similar to a gm and just like and this conversation went on for hours um so i'm really excited for torque to uh, get started i think it'll be a fun show yeah me too well um we talked earlier about some of the kind of ugly news but it had a, a fun or a pleasant tint to it because in the end it was positive uh, is that going to be the case when we talk about this case before the uh, Fourth Circuit? I mean, it's an interesting one. I, I, you know, w- whenever something you know that involves religious rights and schools and LGBTQ issues comes up, um, I get worried because of what I see is I see things getting teed up for the Supreme Court. Right. Because our our current Supreme Court is extremely deferential to religious rights in all respects in terms of opting out of kind of universally applicable laws and rules and regulations. So what I see here, so what's happening here is um, Montgomery County, uh, which is uh, which is in uh, where is it? Maryland, um, basically decided to, Prohibit parents from opting out of students uh, reading books that have LGBTQ content, and they came up with a list of books that um, that are mainly used for teaching, you know, language arts and stuff that maybe have LGBTQ content. They're not, you know, it's not sex books or anything like that. It's, you know, stuff like, you know, whatever, you know, the penguin has two daddies or whatever. Right. Um, you know, these kind of innocuous kind of books. 
And, you know, it's part of, I think, a general trend to kind of want books to, ref- you know, that kids are te- taught with to reflect general diversity. Right. Um, so that, you know, kids see themselves reflected in the books that they're learning from. And parents, you know, obviously certain parents, religious parents wanted to opt out of of their kids being taught with these books. And at first the school allowed that. And then it was so prevalent and so disruptive that they decided to get rid of the opting out. Opting out is not allowed anymore. And um, and this has then now obviously been the subject of a lawsuit. And, um, and where we are at currently is it is at the Fourth Circuit and um, they are they're deciding whether or not you know this uh, opt-out violates First Amendment protections and you know whether or not you know the 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 prohibition on opting out should be allowed or whether parents should have that ability. And I get uh, so tired too though of hearing them all use this language. Uh, the the word that just offends me the most in all of this that they all like to use is indoctrinating or indoctrination, you know. Sure. That that somehow this is some sort of a predatory act by putting these books in the curriculum that we're trying to get their kid to turn queer. Well, what it does is it it goes back to what we were talking about earlier that to a certain certain demographic of people the existence of gay people is it's is is problematic and sexually grotesque and and evil and so even a book you know that's again you know about you know i'm just making one up you know about a gay child you know with a rainbow balloon the fact that 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 child exists is to them inflammatory and provocative um, regard, regard, regardless of whether, you know, obviously, you know, there's this idea that gay people are inherently, or this argument that, that they have to be making, that gay people are, inher- are inherently sexualized, are inherently s- sex. Like, it, they're obsessed with gayness and sex in a way that they are not with, like, you know, um, if you looked at any Disney movie, you know, there are, there are romantic characters, right? There's Beauty and the Beast or Aladdin and you know, uh, Princess Jasmine or whatever. Those are romantic stories. They're not sex stories. But if the same story were told and it was, you know, Aladdin and, you know, Charles, they would say that that is a sexual story being told. So what they're saying is, in essence, gay, you know, queerness is inherently sexualized and sex. And so it's, that 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 line of thinking, you know, is not needs to be debunked. And I think that you know this the, this uh, county's decision to to deny the opting out is basically saying no, this is not sexualizing. This is not indoctrination. This is literally just reflective of reality and reflective of a reality that is not a sexual one. It's a diverse one and a plural one. And like I think that that's a great a great thing to do. Uh, again, I'm not super sanguine because I think if this if this becomes a circuit split and goes up to the Supreme Court, I think our current Supreme Court will be very happy to say that um, that re- that folks have a religious right to you know be bigoted and opt their kids out of any kind of thing that they think is not appropriate, and that even includes you know we've seen with Moms Against Liberty things like stories about blackness 
about about racial diversity that they think that those are somehow um you know predation on kids to 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 tell real stories about uh black lives or brown lives or gay lives so I don't it's not going in a good direction at the Supreme Court. And so I'm not super excited about this because I just see this as, a, again, a slow motion train wreck towards a bad court decision at the Supreme Court. Let me take you off of the story for a second and just ask you if you think at this point, if the president is reelected next November. Do you think that that in and of itself with all of the mayhem that we've had going on in this country for so long now would be adequate uh, to give him the sense of a mandate to begin to rework the court? It's mm. a really good question. I think it is... I think that it would be... I think it would be very inflammatory to to consider it, but I think it would actually be very healthy. I think that well, I think for that it, reason, it, Richie, that doing it before the election would absolutely be, but his doing it post a second or a re-election, you know, that especially with if if we see a, a turn in the tide in the uh, United States Capitol with what could be a blue wave brought about once again because uh, several years ago it was done on account of health care in this country. And now that hot-button issue really is the abortion issue. And mm -hmm. if, if they are able to make substantial changes in this next year's election for that, it would seem to me like there would be a clear momentum for the Democrats to push to re-engineer the court so that there are more justices on the bench, like maybe 13. Right. I mean, there's there are so many different different things you could do. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, one thing is um, changing the number of, of justices. Um, you know, there's the question of whether they should be lifetime appointments, whether there right. should be a, a, term um, limits, a, yeah. Whether there should be a, a you know sort of an age at which they they shouldn't serve anymore. There are a lot of different things, and I think I think the the court being as sacrosanct as it has been for so long might really needs to be called into question because I think that um, that especially um, you know with the current uh, with the Roberts court um, they are. Uh, so ideological and so drunk on power um, and really just flouting, you know, you know, one of the ways in which the court has, has demanded respect is stare decisis, which is to say we, we accept the precedent that we have set as a court, you know, and, and kind of this sort of slow change over time and, and, you know, not being a politically reactive uh, tribunal. But what we're seeing here with is complete disregard for stare decisis with the current court. They could not give two shits about that. And 
Um, I think that that Roberts's court, you know, with also the, you know the um, ethics lapses, you know, with with Justice Thomas and all these things, the court is extremely moribund at this point, and I think is at a sort of a low ebb. And really, at this point, it's a great moment to kind of reconsider what is should be a truly, you know, uh, uh, a truly equal branch of government, but that also has checks and balances, which really has not had for a long time. Indeed. And we'll uh, cap that discussion right there for now. We'll invite you to participate in our upcoming hour of programming if you're listening live at 760-677-0111. That's 760-677-0111. And we are going to talk in our next hour about prequels and sequels from Hollywood. Why? Just why the hell must they? The prequel Wonka is getting rave reviews from The Guardian, and Richie wants to know, do we buy that? Anyway, stay with us as we continue with more of the GBC Happy Hour. The following program is filled with life-sustaining information for being a good human being. It's also full of shaming for bad humans. Sprinkle in an abundance of lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and the rest of the Lucky Charms alphabet, and you have the Gay BC Happy Hour, hosted by a couple of fabulous unicorns who just can't help themselves from farting glitter wherever they go. Ladies and gentlemen, and those with pronouns I'm still learning about, here are your bi. Coastal friends, Richie Roy and Johnny Mac. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the happy hour. <laughs> That's always a very funny uh, little intro back into the second hour. It is. And we greet you with the feelings of the season. I, I, I don't know. It, it's still, even after 16 years in the desert, it still gets a little hard for me at this time of year to feel all holiday seasonish, you know? Because I was out today in my short sleeve shirt and my shorts and it was in the mid 70s and it was a beautiful day here in Palm Springs, but uh so you're getting a little of of the uh seasonal weather there though. We are and and I have to say um I definitely uh, am getting plenty of the of the holiday vibes. I went down last weekend um, to see a, a a cousin who was in town, uh, and that took me to Rockefeller Center. And um, beautiful tree this year. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the tree is fine, but but you were goodness. not happy about the size of the crowd, were you? The crowds. I've never seen anything like it, and I've I've been down there during the holiday. But this this year, everyone has the same idea. I was I was uh, just stuck in uh, like sardines on the street for about ten minutes to get down one city block uh, right around Rock Center, and it is beautiful. I mean, you know, the the um, Saks Fifth Avenue had a beautiful has a big big huge display on the whole building, and you know all the wreaths and the tree and all the stuff and you know, the FAO Schwartz store, but it's so, it's so crazy down there that I, I just can't imagine anyone having a good time. Everyone was just kind of harried and just like yelling, just like, keep walking and just 
freaking out. So I definitely was like, okay, I get it. Um, you know, I guess this is Christmas time in New York, but um, it was a little bit much. You got to love the windows, though, in, in all those shops, or, you know, the big department stores in New York. And Oh, absolutely. I remember, um, you know, once I got, got to um, interview Simon Doonan, uh, who got his start uh, doing Windows displays at, um, I think he did, he was eventually, I think, the creative director at Barney's. Um, but I got to to interview him in, in the workshop uh, for Barney's where they actually do the, they put together the window displays. And oh, it was like Willy Wonka. Um, they just had <laughs> just shelves and shelves and shelves of, you know, everything, you know, seashells and giant glass spheres and little, you know, uh, little crumpled up, you know, crushed diamonds and just all, just any possible thing you can imagine, fabrics and weird old items and, and everything was just at their disposal to create these crazy displays in the windows, you know, in New York uh, for the season. So, yeah, it's very cool. It, it, it's kind of, I think, unfortunately, a dying art, you know, um, there aren't as many department stores in the country as there used to be, but, um, still in New York, you do have the kind of main ones that still put on a good like show. Macy's and, and I, what I, the other one is on the tip of my tongue and I just can't say it that I'm thinking about that always has amazing windows there on, uh, I think it's on, it's on either fifth or sixth Avenue and, um, oh, so there's, uh, there's Macy's, there's Bloomingdale's, there's, um, there's uh, Saks Fifth Avenue. Uh, there are some that we don't have anymore. Lord and Taylor is Lord no longer Taylor. with us. Oh, it's it's gone. They used to it's have gone. the Lord and best Taylor's. windows. Yeah, no. Lord and Taylor had great displays. It, but we no longer have it. So oh, that's sad. I know it's a bummer, but um, but yeah. So Hollywood, the, yeah, the holiday spirit is alive and well in New York City. Um, oh, good. But, you know, another another tradition uh, in the holidays for a lot of people is going out to see movies, um, you know, and uh, there are a lot of movies out right now. And we have uh, we always seem to have uh, some prequels and some sequels clogging up the multiplexes. Yeah, my significant and, other went last weekend to see the latest installment in The Hunger Games and... Um, I mean, hopefully, I guess that was intended to be the last one. So, I just it's I'm always not a, the last I'm one until a, it isn't. I I know, and I'm not a big fan of any of them. Like, I'd have been happy with Star Wars being just the three that they did as it was. I thought that was a bit much, but you know, supposedly it was always planned that those were the middle of the stack. They weren't the beginning or the end. Right, which, you know, but the thing is, there's a world in which that ambiguity, keeping that ambiguous is actually more interesting. Don't, like, you know, there's that idea in storytelling of in media res, right? You start in the middle of the story, and then you get told as much of the story as you get need to get told. Um, but the idea that you have to flesh out every, you know, minute from, you know, embryo to death of every possible intellectual property, you know, piece of, of, you know, character development, um, is exhausting. You know, one, yeah. the, one of them that that's coming out recently, um, that I am just not that, you know, I'm 
is actually getting sort of extremely mixed reviews, but um, I don't know if I am going to even go see it, is Wonka, which is the Timothy Chalamet prequel to the Willy Wonka movies, um, which is him as a young man. And of course, as always, I think he's like, you know, an impoverished young man who, you know, uh, finds his way into, you know, the magic world of, you know, of chocolatier, you know, uh, you know, advanced chocolatier development i don't you know whatever i mean and apparently you know it's sort of a musical and uh you know the guardian gave it a five-star review and said it was amazing the hollywood reporter said it was you know treacly and kind of cloyingly sweet um but you know i think that all begs the question do we need this movie in the first place did we need actually the remake the first remake uh with, with what johnny depp right right um, was that necessary? The remake. I mean, I mean, apart from prequels and sequels, remakes it, themselves. I mean, that to me, the remake culture is like exhausting. Um, you know, uh, I was I was in a, a Twitter space, and someone mentioned um, they were like, "Oh, you know, oh, I love the the that classic the classic Grinch movie." And in my head, I was, you know, I thought, of course, about the Grinch the Grinch movie. The, the original animated one. And then someone was like, oh, you mean the one from like 2010 or whatever? They're like, oh yeah, that one. <laughs> and that was to them what the classic Grinch movie was. And I was just like weeping, you know. Uh, it's and kind, so, it kind of reminds me of, of a lot of, uh, you know, Gen Zers and some of the uh, millennials who are uh, convinced that when they hear a song, that has you know some deep deep roots, and they're hearing it for the first time being uh, sung by maybe an artist that they absolutely love, uh, and don't realize that those people are covering something that was an old classic. You know, uh, it, it to me it's kind of the same thing when they don't necessarily know the roots of the of of the intellectual property. Yeah, I mean that was that came up recently because I, uh, I think is it what it Lotto's big big energy. Um, samples uh tom tom club's uh genius of love which was also sampled by mariah carey um and uh, i heard some folks saying i love that this song sampled mariah carey and in my head i was like well it does not it actually samples the song that mariah Cam <laughs> carey was sampling but uh yeah no exactly um yeah. you know it's almost like a game of sort of um you know telephone um but yeah i just you know when it comes down to it, you know, there's what a lot of this does is, you know, in the movie world, um, these prequels, sequels and remakes comes down to, uh, I think, a lack of desire to take risks because, you know, you have you, you're it's bankable, you know, it's a bankable property and you can extend a bankable property longer. And that's just a bummer because, um, you know, there are new stories to tell. How much really good stuff do you think we don't see because Hollywood is always going to bet on the product that they've already made hundreds of millions of dollars on versus well, taking a risk with a new story or a new storyteller. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, we, you know, I think we even talked about that before on the show is that what there is, is there is a kind of a hollowing out of the middle market, which is to say, because what we have now is is in the movie industry for for by and large you know by and large, there's blockbusters. There's hundred million you know hundred million plus 
movies that are extremely expensive to make and make tons and tons of money. And then you have indies and no-budget movies. But what they don't really make anymore are the mid, mid-market movies that cost a few million to make that kind of just exist as new stories that are just sort of told at a reasonable rate for a reasonable rate of return. It's like it's now it's really it's this like kind of uh you know you know craps table type uh type thinking where you, you know you're that- going to just roll the dice on the big property or you're going to you know or you're going to chance it on some risky little thing and, you know that that doesn't cost anything that might make a ton of money in returns but you're not just going to go for something that is a trusted movie that is going to make a decent return. Yeah, I've seen some products that are in the streaming only market that to me are better than tons of stuff I've seen coming into the theatrical release market. You know, well, that's I, an interesting I think, I that's think, an interesting thing. Yeah, is that maybe that market has moved on onto streaming. Maybe that it's the theatrical release that sort of market that is a little bit impoverished in that regard. Yeah, that's what I'm I'm wondering if maybe that stuff that you're talking about in that kind of middle market area is is the stuff that is getting fed to, you know, the Netflix and the Amazon Prime original type of studios. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting point. Yeah, that might be the case. I mean, it might just be that those movies exist, but they're not in the theaters anymore. But there's a lot of them that I feel like should be, and there's a lot of trash that I feel like... Like, I have friends that love the horror genre. I mean, it's their whole thing. And there's always been, you know, some amount of horror around, but when I go into the movies now, I feel like like at least... 40-50% of the stuff that I see in previews at a movie theater is in that genre now as opposed to a wider variety of types of stories that are coming, you know, that they're showing you the attractions for. And and I kind of wonder how if it would seem to me that that would be the market that you would put into the streaming services more so than in the theatrical release, wider release uh, market, you know, for people to go and see on the big screen. But I don't know. What what do I know? Maybe I'm just an old man who doesn't, you know, fit into the demographic of people going out to the movie theater anymore. I mean, that may very well be the, the case because, I, I mean, I think at the end of the day, um, it's hard to get people to go to a movie theater and i think that a lot of times now when you look at um what gets people to the movie theaters because you know the prices are getting more are getting higher and um i think that people expect an absolute spectacle they want you know they want the the new you know marvel movie in 3d imax you know with smell-o-vision and, you know, vibrating seats and they want to be able to eat, you know, a four-course meal during the movie. Like, it's it's a very different thing. It's like, you don't just go to the movies to watch a movie anymore because you can do that at home. You can do that at home quite easily and everyone has, like, really good TVs now. Like, a good TV is really cheap 
and like you can get a sound bar and then you basically have a movie theater at home like, yeah, a, but like th- there are definitely a lot of other movies that I want to see and I want to see them on the big screen not on I mean I purposely will not watch them or plan to watch them when they come out on streaming uh, because I want to see it in, as a theater experience I want that huge screen and to feel completely immersed in that story and I don't think that I'm all that different from a lot of other people who've grown up with going to the movie theater more so than, you know, sitting in front of a television set. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, um, you know, I think a, a particular genre that I think suffers from that for that a lot is actually comedy because, um, one of the things that, that people like to laugh with other people like laughing alone is actually feels kind of awkward. Like if you're watching a comedy movie all by yourself, like it can feel a little weird to be just kind of guffawing by yourself with a TV. Yeah. But I remember going to see a movie that actually hasn't aged that well. But I remember going with a couple friends to see Borat at a theater in Manhattan. And it was a packed theater. And just the experience of laughing uproariously with hundreds of other people was almost exhilarating. Yeah. It was just so fun to laugh with other people and to, you know, have the jokes, you know, land and everyone's just dying with laughter right. in the same way that watching it by yourself, you know, uh, on your TV at home while you're also scrolling Instagram and, you know, like petting the cat, it's not the same experience. So in the minute we have left, what do you think we should do to Hollywood to get them to knock off this nonsense of all these prequels and sequels. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe maybe institute some kind of like a punitive tax. You know, like if <laughs> some <laughs> I, some intellectual property tax that if you if you've overused a piece of IP, then you have to like you know give a certain percentage of your of of the proceeds to I don't know affordable housing or something. <laughs> like I don't know. <laughs> Good idea. Well, yeah, it. It's 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 a it's a tricky subject, but yeah, I I would like to see a little bit more more variety in the theaters. It might actually get me to go out there because I'm not going to go watch a Marvel or DC movie, but I I would go watch a, I would go watch a nice mid market comedy for sure. Would you watch a mid market movie that uh, features the the Russians doing a brutal crackdown on gayness? I would not watch that. Well, their Supreme Court uh, finds that the LGBT community movement is quote extremism and we're going to talk about that next as we continue with more of the GBC Happy Hour with Richie Roy I'm Johnny Mac and stay with us here GBC.com you can also join us on the live line if you'd like to call in 760-677-0111 760-677-0111 and still to come we're going to have our seal of approval and we're going to have the mixology segment coming up later plus a really great story to finish off tonight's show with stay with us the gay bc happy hour continues with or without pumpkin spice your taste your show and your humble hosts richie roy and johnny mack Hello, welcome back to the show. And your tastes are welcome. 
We have a call-in number. It's 760-677-0111. If you want to talk about prequels, sequels, remakes, any of the news we've talked about so far, um, we'd love to hear from you. So Let's turn the clocks back to 1969 in New York City. Oh, wait, no. Let's just keep them where they are today in 2023 in beautiful downtown Moscow. Moscow, yeah. Russia, not Moscow, Idaho. Yes. So we are in the midst of a really, really chilling uh, situation right now um, across the pond. And, you know, th- there are a lot of there are a lot of international news stories about LGBTQ issues that when we're coming up with the um, with the topics for the week that I, that I don't. I don't sort of choose to cover because I think that, um, you know, there, we only have so much to talk about. And I think that sometimes we can, they can, you can get into the weeds on certain things and it can just be a little bit sort of disorienting to talk about. This is one that is so broad and so clear and so obvious and has to be talked about that, um, you know, uh, I felt like we kind of needed to discuss it um, because, you know, obviously sometimes there's like cultural differences and, you know, there there's sort of like histories of colonialism and all kinds of stuff that kind of complicates LGBTQ existence around the world. What's happening in Moscow is just absolutely um, or in Russia is just clearly um, a, a, a very uh, hardcore move to eradicate LGBTQ existence in a country. And so what's happened here is um, the Supreme Court of Russia has labeled the LGBTQ movement uh, just broadly, just broadly speaking, as an extremist organization. Now, obviously, there's no organization to the LGBTQ movement. It's not, you know, it's not, uh, you know, any kind of specific thing. It's just they labeled any kind of LGBTQ, you know, sort of advocacy to be itself extremist. And what that means is that uh, in Moscow um, recently, uh, police were raiding bars, were raiding, you know, uh, saunas, uh, nightclubs, uh, and generally... uh, cracking down on gay spaces uh you know and we've we've seen even before this um you know lgbtq advocacy groups were already kind of being threatened in russia um just because there have been you know laws passed that uh that kind of strike at lgbtq um advocacy you know it's considered you know sort of uh speech that can be uh governed and this is just all uh, kind of this this kind of vague under this vague guise of extremism. Um, yeah, what we're going to see is essentially the erasure of gay spaces and gay existence in a really large country in this in this world. And of course, it was done under the pretext of a drug raid when they went into these establishments. But you know, this is Vladimir Putin's mo, and. Whatever he wants to do and however he wants to control, he will. And he has significant, powerful backing from the Russian Orthodox Church 
And that plays a part in all of this as well. And, you know, they don't play by the same kind of rules that we do. But don't think that this can't happen here, too. We just talked earlier this evening about the situation with our current Speaker of the House of Representatives, uh, Mike Johnson, and how he wants to pin all of the U.S.'s problems, maybe not all of them, but a lot of them, on the LGBTQ community. And we've already heard that if the former president were to be reelected, <laughs> they're coming after us this way. And he likes to play by the Vladimir Putin playbook. And you can expect that these same kinds of things, should he be reelected, will begin to happen here. You may think, oh, they can't do that. They can't do that. It's against the Constitution. <laughs> right. And and they still haven't put that guy behind bars. And so far, he has gotten away with pulling off a major coup in the United States. I mean, it, it is a coup in and of itself that he has not been incarcerated for his actions in doing that. So I see this as a very eye-opening example to our own so-called leaders in the GOP as to what they probably will get the idea that they can pull off here in the United States if they end up with the fascist rule that they are seeking so badly. Yeah. I mean, what 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 we see is, um, I mean, what I think we can see is um, a playbook. This is a playbook on how to do. I mean, obviously, the 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 laws are different here than they are there. But when you have a supine and um, and uh, and sort of complicit Supreme Court, which is what we have right now when it comes to LGBTQ issues. Um, and you have someone, you know, who has an authoritarian, you know, streak, like 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 the former president, and you have willing participants, you know, who have an apocalyptic view of America that really re- requires, in their mind, a theocratic, you know, regime, like a Mike Johnson, um, and a lot of MAGA folks. Um, you have the you have the building blocks for something very similar to happen here. Absolutely. Oh, I can't stand this bad news. So let's turn it to something fun. Okay. Let's start thinking about more gift ideas and products we want to recommend to you in this holiday shopping season on the GBC Happy Hour Seal of Approval, which is coming up next. Not to be outdone by, but be followed in a little while by the GBC Happy Hour Mixology 101 segment where Richie will don his merry apron for you he's got cocktails and mocktails coming up before we leave tonight stay with us right here on the gbc radio network the gbc radio network presents the weekly public service The GBC Happy Hour Seal of Approval. Does it fly or does it die? Products, services, and customer service that will turn you on or turn you off. Does the cup runneth over? 
or has the well gone dry? Richie and Johnny, take it away. Welcome back, everyone. And uh, yeah, to, to turn to turn from somewhat glum story to uh, something a little more exciting, especially as we are coming into the gift giving time of year. Um, the seal of approval, sometimes a demerit. But uh, yeah, Johnny, what do you have for us this week? Well, a lot of stuff. First of all, um, I told you last we got together on this that one of the things I really love this year was seeing how much personalization stuff is out there. Some really cool products that you can personalize from clothing things to, you know, um, photographic stuff that can be put in calendars and on, you know, coffee cups and, you know, other things you can you can make for friends and loved ones. Um, and I actually, I went and uh, I forgot about it until just a couple of moments ago. So during the break, I ran into the other room and grabbed my brand new baseball jersey, um, which boasts the team name is the Podcasters. And uh, it has the corporate logo on the front and it's got the name and the number on the back and, and the number is also on the front. And so there is one coming Richie's way uh, oh. as well. Um, but uh, yeah, there's a number of things I was thinking about this week. Um, one, I'd like to throw it out to anybody who's listening to us live. Uh, if they want to call in, I would love to have some ideas from you on products that you think are great. Um, gag gifts, not gay, gag. And, and I'm not talking about um, sexual aids either, like uh, ball gags and you know other uh, phallic type things that you might gag on. Uh, I am talking about things that you might give away like if you were at a company christmas party or something like that and they have one of those um funky gift exchanges where you have to spend you know like under ten dollars or something like that um and so uh anybody who has ideas along that line and would like to share those seven six zero six seven seven zero one 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 uh give us a ring but there are some other things that uh I also came across, and, and one of the, the things I wanted to give everybody a uh, heads up on is a website that I came across. Being a kind of plus-size guy, um, there is a uh, website called foriafits.com. So that's P-H-O-R-I-A-F-I-T-S.com. And... This is kind of cool because what they do is they've created more or less a, uh, a database of... Um, why is that not working? It's My computer does not want to cooperate with me. Uh, let's see here. There we go. Uh, and what they, what they are is they're basically a database of a whole bunch of different brand manufacturers of clothing. And... Uh, if you have uh, a body that is plus sized, here you'll you'll be able to come in, sign up, and as they say in their slogan, find your fit, skip the bullshit, and it'll help you find products that you know. Let's say it's Nike, or it might be Levi, or maybe it's you know uh, some sort of other uh, higher fashion brand. 
uh, and you want to know if if it is some if they make products that are in your size. Here you'll find a database with a couple of hundred companies that have all these products that you can find and shop for somebody who's maybe on the big and tall side. So uh, it's called Foria, and you do uh, have to sign up for it. Um, but they also have all sorts of um, uh, other things, um, including Petite Plus. Uh, and uh, various brand lookups that you can do. And and it, it's just a neat resource to have for people who are trying to shop for somebody who is um, on the larger side. And it's both men and women. So, mm. And have you looked in, I mean, because so, I'm curious, because I haven't, I haven't looked at that site yet. How does it compare to like something like a DXL? Uh, I don't know that brand or that company. Oh, okay. DXL is another. Um, they're they're another company that is is sort of focused on la- uh, sort of larger. Uh, I think it's specifically men's clothing. Um, another, and I know I know that they they have a lot of brands that they that they have uh, uh, relationships with. So yeah, yeah let me that's a mention another reason why I like these guys too. Um, and they have this. It's on their homepage. You can scroll down and see it. Uh, but their uh, team of co-owners are um, Nico Herzetti and Emma Clark and Paul uh, Herzetti. And these folks are um, disabled, fat, and very, very queer, as they put it on their site. Oh, cool. So, yeah, it is. it is a, you know... Uh, business from people who are in our community uh, who are doing this together and they say these are some of the main ways that we identify and their qualities that have directly impacted our ability to get dressed every day in a way that feels good. We created Foria together because we wanted to make clothes shopping easier by centering the experiences of people uh, uh, by centering the experiences of people like us. So um, check it out. Again, the website address is Foria Fits. That's P-H-O-R-I-A-F-I-T-S dot com. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, and I love, I love um, sort of community-based um, uh, clothing uh, lines. I mean, there's another, another one that comes to mind is like Tomboy X, which is sort of a non-binary trans uh, clothing company. And I, yeah, I really like that, um, I like that, uh, that p- different communities are kind of uh, creating clothes so that your that your experience of dressing yourself can be something that is joyful and not sort of um, you know sort of a point of stress. Yeah. So that's really awesome. Yeah. Um, so let's see. I'm torn. I have two things that are very different, and one that I can't. You know, because we do this segment every week, and this is something I, I've I've been on this subject so often, uh, just in, in in my normal life that I can't remember if I've recommended this before. But uh, maybe Johnny, you can you can tell me. Stop me if I've said this one already. But um, I seal of approval for bidet attachments for toilets. Have I bring the, brought this up before? We've on the talked show? about it, but I don't know that we've really gotten deeply into it. Okay, so uh, so yeah, I I think that it's a great it's a it's a weird it's a great gift to get yourself, 
it's maybe a little bit of a weird gift to give to someone else, but I have done it. I have bought people bidet attachments for their toilets before. Um, so what this is, is it's a very simple thing. And well, it can be simple or a little more complicated depending on which one you get. But um, it's basically a, a, a thing that you put underneath the toilet seat that, that you attach to the water supply to the toilet and it is a bidet. It sprays your underside um, and uh, they can be very, very uh, basic. There are some on a- Amazon that are as cheap as, you know, 40 bucks. Um, the, the, the sort of the, the, the one that most people know of is a brand called Tushy, which actually makes a very good one. Uh, I think it's around 80, 90 bucks uh, for the, the basic, maybe 120 for a little more bells and whistles. And um, up to uh, the Toto Washlet, which is a Japanese uh, version, which is sort of the Cadillac of the bidet attachment. And it, it's a whole experience. They have It has a dryer. It has heated water. You know, it, it plays music. It, you know, it, it automatically opens when you come near it. It's a whole it's a whole vibe. But um, but at the at the end of the day, um, just any of these bidet attachments will change your life for the better. Well, the change of life for anyone who has one for the better, because uh, the cleanliness is unbelievable. Um, it just, <laughs> I mean, you know, without getting graphic, it's just, it is it is a far better experience than using toilet paper. And you will just find yourself, uh, whenever you're in a situation where you don't have access to one, thinking, wow, this is such a primitive situation here with this toilet paper. So uh, I, I've given them as, as gifts. Again, maybe a little bit of a weird gift, but um, it, it, it is a fun one. Another, another on a totally different note, I am currently outfitting my new office um, because I'm starting a new job and there are sort of nothing there because it's a new position. And uh, one of the things that I have that I quite love is um, an Italian stapler brand. It's called Zenith. It's the Zenith 590, and it is a stapler. It's just a stapler, but it is a cool-ass stapler, and they come in a bunch of different colors, and some of them – I have a rainbow one that's red, yellow, green, and blue. They come in a bunch of different colorways, um, and they use this They use this sort of specific staple, the Zenith staple that you can also buy, um, you know, replacement staples quite easily. But they just look – cool and they work great and they're just such a huge step up from the kind of you know boring homely swing line kind of cheapo stapler so uh the zenith 590 stapler uh for someone who has an office job um or is is regularly stapling things um i'm gonna put my put my uh steel of approval on the zenith 590 good deal well, you know, I um, I asked for some uh, suggestions about gag gifts to give away, like at office parties and stuff. Mm-hmm. And there were a few that I came across myself. Um, one that was, uh, well, you know those little plastic cups they give you to, um, like, urinate in when you go get a test done at the doctor's office? Uh-huh. And, you know, you seal it up and they put the label over the the thing so that, you know, it it isn't messed with until it goes to the lab and they do the 
you know get the test results right uh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah they have mm-hmm. one that's a it, it's a little cup and it's got the label on the front of it and inside of it there's a little plastic stool like you know a stool you'd sit at a desk or a bar on and um this gift it's called a stool sample um not exactly what the doctor ordered but uh, oh boy will they get a good laugh once they realize what they have opened up and uh, it's available from Amazon for 10 bucks. So um, if you want to make somebody laugh, uh, give them a stool sample, uh, especially if you have a doctor in your life or a nurse. Um, there's also uh, a, <laughs> this one's pretty funny, a Shrek toothpaste cap. And what this cap does is it has Shrek kind of uh, attached to it facing into the tube of toothpaste but there is like a asshole coming out of shrek <laughs> from which oh your tooth <laughs> your tooth <laughs> your toothpaste comes out of so they can attach uh straight to the tube of toothpaste and then they can tell all their friends that they've been brushing their teeth with shrek's shit so so um it yeah, if uh, if anyone has any HR uh, complaints that result from any of these gifts, direct them to uh, Johnny Mac. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's also a product uh, that's available from Amazon for $16.99, and it is a uh, tin can of dehydrated water, uh, you know, for the times when uh, you're packing light but know that you're bound to get thirsty instead of carrying a heavy jug of water uh, you can just carry this little can and fill it with water to rehydrate it whenever they need Uh, so uh, again uh, reading one of the promising reviews gave this for Christmas gift to a relative he is still speechless from laughing he shows it to everyone he knows and I would give uh, this 10 stars if possible so uh, let's uh, (laughs) Let's see. Let's go to the phone lines and say uh, hello and welcome. Uh, hey, it's Kevin. Hi, Kevin. What's on your mind? We've got a minute. Uh, gag gifts and uh, actual good gifts, too. Okay. we got time for one. Literally 40 seconds. I'll, I'll do a gag gift. Okay. Give it to us. Uh, all right. I've got... Um, Piggybacking on what Richie said about the uh, bidet, uh, I I guess the antithesis of that, which is a uh, colored light that you put inside of a toilet that um, (laughs) lights it up. The best part about that gift is that they are forced to clean that as well as the toilet. Oh, God. (laughs) can't even imagine. I've seen those, though, advertised. And, yeah. What color would you get? Well, you can change the color, but obviously... Yellow would be the choice. Okay. <laughs> of course. Thank you for the call, Kevin, and happy holidays to you. And you can join us as well, 760-677-0111. Stay with us. This is the GBC Happy Hour. We will continue with Richie in the bar. It's time for the Mixology 101 segment coming up on the GBC Happy Hour. Home 
Animal Mixologist Richie Roy and his Ice Cube handler Johnny Mac present the latest lessons from the Gay BC Happy Hour School of Mixology. As they say at Gay BC, bottoms up. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Happy Hour. And we are at the bar. Um, and uh, let's see. Um, what kind of concoction are you working on this week? So this week, you know, uh, this week I was inspired by something that I've been really enjoying, um, which is uh, since we're coming into winter, I have been going crazy for grapefruits. I love grapefruits and, you know, citrus is typically a winter fruit. And so I've been eating a lot of grapefruits. Um, I love them. I think they're delicious. And I got to thinking about drinks with grapefruits and, uh, the classic, which is really hard to improve on, is the Greyhound. So I'm going to recommend a really simple, simple drink this week, which is the Greyhound, um, which is grapefruit juice and gin or vodka. Should be gin. Gin is the correct answer. But if you want to, you can have it with vodka. That's okay, too. But um, it's a really refreshing drink. I, another thing you can do is you can also throw in a sh- just a splash of bitters, too, just to give it another little uh, element. But um, it's a clean, astringent, delicious drink. Um, and I and you know it, you can make it with store-bought grapefruit juice, but really to make it more delicious, squeeze your own grapefruits. Um, and uh, yeah. I'm I'm gonna go for a greyhound this week, and um, and and just you know sort of uh, more broadly, I will recommend uh, grapefruit is is incredible. I think it is an un, and actually uh, Johnny uh, Johnny has sent me some grapefruits. In I'll the have past. to send you a couple uh, this week with uh, with your gift pack. Yeah. Yes. Um, because, uh, you know, growing up in California, we had a tree and, uh, and actually, uh, Johnny has a tree with grapefruit. And so, uh, yeah, if you have access to fresh grapefruit, absolutely go for it. But even store-bought, store-bought is fine, you know, as Ina Garden says. Um, uh, but don't, don't forget about grapefruit. They're amazing for breakfast. They're actually incredible as dessert. Um, they're really good with tahini, uh, which is the kind of spicy uh, chili, lime, and salt blend uh, thrown on there. Um, so apart from the Greyhound, also just go for grapefruit. And then for non-alcoholic, um, a drink that we used to call the C-section back when I was um, in undergrad is uh, – is a drink that is appropriate for those who are with child or those who are not drinking at the moment, which is grapefruit juice, seltzer, and a couple splashes of Angostura bitters. It's a really delicious non-alcoholic drink. Uh, it has the kind of you know depth of flavor that a boozy drink might have. So um, the C-section is going to be the non-alcoholic drink of the week. So... Yeah, not nothing complicated this week. Kind of a simple sort of classic, but um, you know, I'm really really enjoying it. I've been recently kind of getting back into gin. Um, this, you know, I, I had taken a little step away from it, um, but you know, kind of rediscovering that and then having fun with that and different mixers, including grapefruit. So, yeah, I just I can't do the gin anymore. I 
I think I must have done something in high school or something that I shouldn't have. <laughs> so, um, well, that all sounds very uh, refreshing. And yes, I will be going out and plucking a couple of those big old babies off my tree this week. I haven't tried one yet, and they have grown to be quite enormous. So I'm looking forward to tasting them, and I'll definitely send you back uh, a few of those to enjoy yourself. So, Thank uh, you. One of the things that I would really love for us to do as we wrap up each show is to find, like, the good news last word of the week. And I think we do have a story like that this week. A school board member uh, in Pennsylvania's third largest school district has ruffled the feathers of Moms for Liberty when she was sworn in uh, recently on not a Bible, no, in in fact, uh, her opponent had been uh, one of the Moms for Liberty people, uh, and she managed to hold on to her seat. I think that she's just been elected to her third ter- uh, term in this uh, school board. But instead of uh, taking her oath on a Bible, she took it on a stack of banned books. And I thought, what a classy way to make a point. And it certainly drew a lot of attention from uh, from the news. Uh, her name is Karen Smith, and she's one of the good Karens. And she was one of five Democrats who defeated Republican candidates who were endorsed by national anti-LGBTQ plus uh, Moms for Liberty in uh, the election last month of the Central Bucks School Board. And that flipped the board, by the way, from a 6-3 majority of Republicans to a 6-3 Democratic majority. So there's some young people whose ability to not have important materials censored or taken away from them are going to be able to uh, enjoy that benefit because of this. And uh, it just, it's like nails down a chalkboard every time I hear, you know, in, in the 21st century about people trying to ban stuff that people might read in this country, which prides itself on freedom of speech, right? I mean, this is it's just absolutely uh unbelievable but um apparently uh when she was sworn in for her third term and was also chosen as the board's new president uh she took her oath of office uh placing it uh, her hand on that stack of books and um i don't know anybody who really i mean i saw that there was a bible there but I didn't see that there was any sort of upheaval uh, over the fact that she did not take her oath uh, with her hand on the Bible. So um, she says, I'm not particularly religious. The Bible doesn't hold significant meaning for me. And given everything that has occurred in the last couple of years, the banned books, they do mean something to me at this point. So right on to Karen Smith. She is our happy hour hero this week and making a point that uh, that I think is, is really long overdue and, and sending a message to these knuckleheads who are trying to limit children's ability to read and to be able to have diversity uh, 
you know, whether they are or are not LGBTQ or not, you know, I it doesn't make any difference. We exist in the world, and people have a right to see things as they are in real life. And our mere existence, to me, uh, means that all of that should exist as well. So happy to be able to share that story uh, tonight here before we get out of here on this uh, Thursday edition. And we'll, of course, continue to be doing our live shows. And, and of course, they're also available on demand as a podcast. So if you can't listen live, we do encourage you, however, if you can, to listen with us live on on, uh, Thursday nights between 8 and 10 p.m. Eastern Time and 5 to 7 p.m. Pacific Time. Uh, And be sure to let your friends know about it. But, you know, we've got uh, the holidays to look out for. And actually, I was, I don't mean to put you on the spot about this, but Richie, I'd like to take a little uh, holiday season break now through the end of the year and uh, resume these come the first week in January, if that's all, all okay with you. Sure. Yeah, okay, no, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, got just a lot of different events and things going on uh, all throughout the week, you know, with uh, holiday parties and and other uh, you know, concerts and things like that going on. So um, we will resume with the GBC Happy Hour uh, the first Thursday in January. And by then you'll also have had a chance to get settled into your new digs at the university and or the college and and we'll look forward to hearing more about uh, your new professional adventures there, too. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we've got a few seconds left. Any uh, special thoughts that you want to share with anybody before we go into our holiday break? Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, given that we're having a, a holiday break, um, want to uh, hope that everyone has... A lovely, um, lovely time uh, with friends and family, um, and uh, you know, take this opportunity to take stock of what the new year holds. Um, you know, whether or not you are a New Year's resolution type of person, uh, you know, it's always uh, just a good moment to kind of, you know, as the days are short and things, uh, to kind of uh, take a little moment and just to, to sort of re-center your thoughts so looking forward to starting the new year uh with with everyone in the happy hour and um we will uh see you in january great and uh on behalf of all of us at the mutual broadcasting system and the gbc radio network uh we remind you we also have new programming coming up in the new year uh richie will also be hosting torque with todd bianco thank you to todd tonight for Uh, joining us earlier in the broadcast and be sure to share this with your friends let them know that we're here and that they can partake in the gbc happy hour listening live or even if it's just on demand i promise you i promise 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 you that we will have that uh, voicemail line for our on-demand listeners come 2024 